This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. In our previous discussion, we were trying to figure out exactly what's preventing us from being able to achieve bitachon. Bitachon, as we've mentioned in the past, is an awareness, is a feeling of a tangible presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. We don't just know that Hashem exists. We don't just know that Hashem intervenes in the world. We feel Hashem in our lives. We can constantly go to Him, beseech ourselves before Him, beg for His mercy, and ask Him for whatever we want. And we asked ourselves, what is so difficult? Why is it so hard? What is preventing us from developing a stronger connection with Hashem in which we can feel that presence of Hashem in our lives? And Rav Pink has highlighted that, of course, it's about connection. And that like every connection, like every relationship, it's a two-way street. However, whatever you put into it, that's what you're going to get out of it. You don't put a lot of energy into it. You don't invest a lot of time into it. You're not going to get much out of it. You want a Kaddish Baruch Hu to be available in your life. You want Hashem to be ready and willing to listen to your every prayer, your every request. If you don't put anything into it, how can you expect a Kaddish Baruch Hu to make himself readily available? A Kaddish Baruch Hu sometimes will conceal himself if he feels that you are not worthy of having a dialogue with him. And so therefore, we learned, based on uh, an illustration from Tupsukim, that perhaps we need to invest more time in that connection. David HaMalch says to Hashem, Hashem kol He says to Hashem, Please allow me to reside, to dwell in your palace. Which of course can't be meant to understand literally to live in the Mishkan or the Beis HaMikdash. But rather he asks from Hashem, Allow me to conduct myself in a way that would be worthy of living with you. On the flip side, we also understood that if you want to know how the shift in Vesa Hashem works, you want to be worthy that Hashem should live amongst you, then Vasuli Mikdash Vishachanti Bisokham. And Rav Chaim Velajner highlights so famously, it shouldn't say that Hashem instructed us to build a Mikdash, a sanctuary, and live in them, but rather live in it. And so therefore, Rav Chaim Velajner and his Nefesh Rachaim highlights that what it's meant to be understood is that it's not only referring to the edifice, the Beit HaMikdash, the Mishkan, but rather it's referring to the Mikdash Ma'at, the small temples, the ones that reside within each one of us as individuals. We want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to reside among us. We need to ensure that we can facilitate that divine presence. We need to make sure our behaviors are compatible and are worthy for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to live amongst us. And so therefore, David HaMalek says, Shift Hashem, let me be worthy, to which HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, could respond, Suli Mikdash, make sure that you're going to behave in the right way. Make sure you're going to conduct yourself in a way that would be worthy for my presence. Make sure that you invest in that relationship and I will reciprocate by being available to you. So what's stopping us? Why is it so difficult to establish a strong connection with Hashem? Why is it so hard that we can't feel Hashem's presence in our lives? Don't we realize that there's so much at stake? Aren't we aware about the fact that so much of what's going on in the world, certainly during the times we're living in now, don't we realize, aren't we forced to confront that reality that Hashem is in control? Why is it so difficult to make that connection? And so I'd like to suggest to you one of the impediments, one of the obstacles that makes it so difficult to establish this very deep and meaningful connection that Hashem wants in yearns for us to establish together. The Pesach says in Parshish Kisavo, In the context, in Parshish Kisavo, in the context of the Tochacha, the long set of verses of Psukim, in which Hashem through Moshe shares the severe consequences for violating the Torah. You would have expected it to talk about Chilo Shabbos, the desecration of Shabbos, 
or not behaving in a way that is respecting your fellow man or violating and conducting yourself with illicit behaviors between men and women, which are all true, you would expect that those would be the most heinous of crimes which would ultimately deserve these severe consequences. And yet, in the context of all of those other discussions, the Torah throws in a pusik that seemingly doesn't belong. The Torah says, you want to know what one of the severe consequences are going to be due to? You want to know why you're going to deserve such severe punishments? It's because you're not going to serve me with simcha. If you don't serve me with happiness, if you're not going to be elated when you serve me, your creator, you're going to be punished. A very, very difficult pasuk. I understand if you want to suggest that serving our creator, living a life of simcha, simcha sachayim, is an important value, I can accept that. You want to say that in an ideal utopian society, we should all live with the simcha sachayim, with this happiness, this elation when we serve our creator, I am totally on board with that. But to suggest that a person who doesn't serve Hashem with simcha, who doesn't serve Hashem with happiness, is going to be punished so severely along with all of those other iniquities, how could that possibly be? What could possibly suggest, what could be the motivation behind one who doesn't serve Hashem with simcha be deservant of such severe, such severe punishments? And I'd like to suggest to you, based on a maharal, and the maharal says something so powerful that answers possibly why it is so critical, what is so imperative about our service of Hashem with a, with a uh, fundamental element of simcha. The maharal writes, Kya simcha hu... The Maharal says something incredible. The Maharal says, you want to know what Simcha is? You want to know why Simcha is so basic, is so fundamental, is so imperative, is so critical to our Avodas Hashem? You want to know why Simcha plays such a, an important role and without it, we are missing out on our Bitachon, our tangible relationship with Hashem? It's because you need to understand what simcha is. Simcha is a recognition that you are showing, that you are satisfied with your lot in life, that you understand that that which you have, you are meant to have. And that which you don't have, not only aren't you meant to have it, but you don't want it. Because if you needed it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have given it to you. And he compares it to the opposite end of the spectrum. To the one scenario in the Jewish, Jewish life cycle experience in which a person is prohibited from experiencing simcha. And that's, of course, Avelos, mourning. When a person has lost, lost a loved one, a person who's had to sit shiva, experience shloshim if it's a parent, experience the Yudbeis Chodesh, the 12 months of mourning periods, that is the only type of person, that is the only situation in one's life where one is prohibited to experience simcha. You know why? Because when a person loses a loved one, the natural response psychologically is to ask questions. Why is this happening to me? What did I do? Why am I being put in this position? A person who is an Avel, a person who feels at a loss, a person who feels like he doesn't have the answers during that experience of his or her life, that is a person who by definition could not possibly experience Simcha. Because Simcha is a position, Simcha is a mindset, Simcha is a perspective, an outlook in which a person realizes that everything I need, I have. And everything I don't have, I don't need. Because otherwise, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have given it to me. Let me say it to you a little bit differently. The Nesiva Shalom, the Slanim Rebbe writes, Makor HaSimcha, the source of all happiness, who? Sheyehudi Sameach Mehanhagas Habore Yisparach Shemo Ito. You want to know what true Simcha is? 
It's being okay with how Hashem runs the world. So it's not that HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs your stamp of approval, but you have this willingness, you have this confidence, as the Ali Sharavobi once said. You have this confidence that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, knows what he's doing, and you're okay with how he runs your life. That doesn't mean you don't have challenges. It doesn't mean you don't have obstacles. It doesn't mean you have this nisyonos, certain tests that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts you in in order to help you grow. Those are challenging. Those are struggles. Those are difficult. But you, at the end of the day, accept those challenges and recognize I am confident how Hashem runs the world. That's what Simcha is. Simcha is an understanding that when I look around, I'm okay with the, the, the deck of cards that I've been given. I once heard in the name of Pesach Krohn, he said something incredible. He said if every single person would take their deck of cards and they would lay them down on the table and they would mix all the cards around from a host of different people, and you'd be asked then to pick up the cards of the life you'd like to live. And you had to pick up a certain amount of cards that are pro. And you had to pick up a certain amount of cards that were cons, that were the challenges. You know what would happen? You'd end up picking up the same cards you put down. Because at the end of the day, if you have a high level of simcha, if you understand and you're okay with the way in which Hashem is running the world, if you feel this confidence and you feel that Hashem is present in your life and you're okay with what's going on in terms of your relationship, you're going to pick up the same deck of cards. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu in reality knows what you can and what you cannot handle. And as a result, you'll end up picking up those very same deck of cards. The problem is, is that we suffer. We suffer so much from that anxiety. We suffer from wanting more from others. We suffer from not having what we think we're entitled to. And as a result, it compromises the relationship we have with Hashem. This understanding of Simcha can, number one, help us understand now that Pasuk in the Tochacha. Because now if you understand what Simcha is, Simcha is not being giddy, and Simcha is not just laughing and having a smile from ear to ear, though sometimes that could be expressed. What Simcha means is a deep understanding that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, and a lot in life you have is a lot in life you're not only okay with, you're satisfied with. If you don't serve Hashem with that as the basis of everything, of course you're going to be punished. If you go into a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you are always constantly questioning how He runs the world, Hashem says, I'm fed up with it. I'm not interested in what you have to say. You want to uh, serve me? you got to serve me with a basic understanding that at the end of the day, I'm the creator of the world. I'm the mashgiach, the one who intervenes in the world. And you have to be okay with the reality that I'm going to run the world the way I see fit. Says the Torah, If you don't serve me with that understanding, if you don't recognize how I run the world is the right way to run the world, if you're going to question what I'm doing, Hashem says, I want no part of this relationship. But if you're willing to accept it, if you're willing to recognize and realize that the deck of cards you've been given was specifically designed and designated for you, if you accept the good parts and you're willing to tolerate and willing to embrace sometimes even the bad parts, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, that's the type of relationship that I'm going to get into. I remember I once heard a story of a mom from Amapi Chemish, who uh, unfortunately her husband had passed away and at the Leviah she spoke, at the funeral she spoke, and she said, was talking to her children. And she turned to her children as she eulogized her husband. And she said to her children the following. She said, you know, you probably have a lot of questions. And you're probably wondering, why were we put in this situation? Why do we have to suffer? Why is Hashem doing this to us? 
And with incredible insight and wisdom, this mother turns to her children and says, we're not going to ask those questions. Because when your mother and your father, when me and your Abba got married so easily, without much struggle, we didn't question, well, why did Hashem put us in that situation? And when we decided we were ready to have children, and we were able to have children with ease, we didn't say, well, how come Hashem you didn't put us in that situation? And when Parnassah was never an issue for us, and Hashem made it easy for us, we never questioned Hashem and said, why are you putting us in that position? So if we didn't ask those questions when we're having the good times, we're not going to ask those questions when we're in the challenging times. We have to realize Simcha, Simcha, Simcha is such a basic element to our Avodah Hashem, to our Bitachon. If we would only realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us, and we only realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking out for us, looking out for our best interests in the good times, and even in the times that we think are not good, but in reality they are, we'd be able to embrace that relationship with Hashem, that connection would be so much deeper and stronger, and we'd be able to achieve those higher levels of Bitachon. With this definition of Simcha, we can now also explain a troubling Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos tells us in the fourth parak, Hakinov Hatayvav Hakavod Motziv Esa Adam and Olam. A person who's jealous, a person who has been consumed with Taiva, with desires, a person who's always running after Kavod of honor, Motzian Esa Adam and Olam. He will be removed from this world. What does that mean? What world are we talking about over here? What does it mean that a person who's jealous, a person who has desires, a person who is running after covet over honor, he is going to be removed from this world? And there are a number of different interpretations. But one interpretation I'd like to highlight with you is in the name of Rav Dessler. And Rav Dessler writes in his Mikhtav Melio that you know what it means, Motzian Esa Olam? It doesn't mean you're going to be literally physically removed from this world. Motzian Esa Olam means that you're going to be removed from the way Hashem designed the world to be. And that's a world of happiness. A person who's constantly looking at what he doesn't have. A person who's constantly looking around saying, why am I not getting the kavod? Why am I not having those desires be satisfied? Why can't I have what that other person down the block from me has? If you're constantly consumed by what you don't have, then a person's going to ultimately a person's going to ultimately be removed from the world that Hakadosh Baruch Hu envisioned for him. He's going to be removed from that simcha. He's going to be constantly in his mind saying, Hashem, why aren't you giving me this and why aren't you giving me that? And you know what? When you start to ask those questions, you begin to retreat from that connection that we spoke about last week from Hashem. And Akash Baruch Hu says, I'm not interested in that type of relationship with you either. And so therefore, we need to take a step back. We need to begin to appreciate that which Hashem has privy us to. We need to understand that we've been the beneficiary of incredible brach in our lives. We need to be able to, to accept that which Hashem has given to us in the good times and sometimes even in the challenging, struggling times. Because at the end of the day, whatever situation we're in right now is what Hashem had and envisioned us to be in. I heard an amazing story from Rav Biederman this past week in the name of Shlomo Zaman Arbach. And he says that, you know, so many people on your thing of Shlomo Zaman Arbach passed away in the early 1990s. Today, it would be even more relevant. There are so many people struggling with anxiety, with this consuming, perpetual uh, worry. And why are they so worried about that? Why are they looking at everybody else? What are they so nervous about? So Shlomo Zaman Arbach says, you want to know how you can reduce, how you can alleviate that anxiety, that worry? Every single morning before you start to daven, you should make a list of all the blessings in your life. If you started to realize how much bracha, how much blessing is in your life, 
that is going to serve as the genesis and it's going to generate an incredible feeling of appreciation, an incredible feeling of love, and ultimately an incredible feeling of simcha sachayim. You will realize how lucky you are, how you've been the beneficiary of incredible things that Hashem has bestowed upon you. And when you begin to realize that all of the worries of what you don't have will fall away. All of the anxiety of why you're at something's happening to you, why this difficult situation is happening to you, will fall away. That's part of life. But look how many incredible brachos I have. Look what Hashem has bestowed upon me. Look how lucky I am to merit, to receive so many unbelievable things that Hashem has chosen for me to receive. And says the Shlomo Zabin Arbach, if we were to do that, could you imagine how many people would be so much happier in their lives? Can you imagine where people would begin to appreciate Hashem? Can you imagine that with that feeling, with that experience, with that emotion, knowing that Hashem is looking after them day in, day out, how much more a person would yearn for that connection, how much more a person would invest in that connection, how much more a Kodesh Baruch would ultimately reciprocate in that connection, and then we'd ultimately be able to achieve Bitachon. And so therefore, one of the significant obstacles that we find ourselves in, one of those difficult situations in which it makes it so difficult at times to feel Hashem's tangible reality, His presence in our lives, is we don't have simcha. We don't have that confidence in Hashem. We don't feel that Hashem is looking after us and knows what's best for us. We don't feel, as the Gemara says, We don't feel that whatever Hashem does for us, what we perceive as good and what we perceive as not so good is also good. We don't feel that. We feel sometimes that we're getting a, we're getting a zip. We're getting a, a zetz. We're getting, you know, shocked a little bit and we don't understand why. But if we'd be able to embrace, if we'd be able to strengthen our recognition and knowing, and not just knowing, but feeling that our Kodesh Baruch Hu is in our lives, that He's taking care of us, that He's looking after us, if we'd be able to go ahead and list all those Yeshuas, all those salvations, those blessings that we have received, if we'd been able to recognize that our Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the world and we're not only okay with it, we're satisfied with it, that we won't be removed from the world of happiness that Akash Baruch Hu envisioned with us. This is a type of thing that during this time, particularly, but in general, the era that we live in, with so much depression and anxiety, is something that we need to try to strengthen ourselves in. We need to mechazik ourselves. We need to understand that if we'd only be able to embrace Simcha Sachayim in our lives, recognizing Hashem's presence and looking after us, we'd ultimately be able to achieve higher levels of bitachon. I'll close with an amazing, amazing story that I heard this past week from my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, about 20 years ago, uh, the day after his son's bris uh, was, uh, was diagnosed with an acute uh, leukemia. And uh, it was really unclear exactly what the long-term prognosis was going to be. A lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges, despite him coming from a, a large family, didn't even have a bone marrow match uh, against all odds, quite frankly, and really did not know how all this was going to turn out. And he described during his second round of chemo that he had an epiphany. He said he was sitting in the hospital bed one night. His family had all go home to sleep at home. And he was in the dark. And he looked around the room and he realizes his situation. He realizes his predicament. And it's dark and he starts to say to himself, you know, my father is a very well-known doctor in Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, very prestigious. But I realized he can't really help me. And then he thought, naturally, as every person does, whether you're a child or you're an adult, you always look to your mom and say, well, my mom will get me out of this. And he realizes in this situation, his mother is not going to be able to help him out. He thinks about his wife and he says, well, I've always relied on her for support to be able to help him through thick and thin. And he realizes that with this, his wife isn't going to be able to help him. 
until finally he realizes, wait a second, the only thing that's going to help me is the Ribbon Shalom. The only thing, the only being that's ultimately going to be able to help me get out of this is Hashem. And he said, as if he's sitting in the dark, that recognition shook him at his core. He felt so lonely. He felt like there was no one in this world to turn to other than Hashem. And only a few short seconds later did he realize, wait a second, I have Hashem. And he began to realize, HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. He began to realize and recognize that the only being in this world that's going to be able to help him is Hashem. And that Hashem is going to ultimately make all the decisions. He's going to be directing exactly what this journey and this trajectory is going to be like. Only Hashem is ultimately going to make all of these decisions. And he said the craziest thing happened to him. He felt this warm feeling throughout his body. He felt a tremendous feeling of liberation as if the burden of this illness had been lifted off of his shoulders. And literally he described, he began to experience in a shocking way that's hard to even imagine. He said it was the greatest Simcha Sachaim some of the happiest days of his life as he was going through these treatments. Because he was forced to confront his mortality. He was forced to confront and realize and recognize there wasn't anyone in this world, there wasn't another human being ultimately that was going to be able to save his life. It was only going to be Hashem. And when he realized that only Hashem is going to be able to save him, only Hashem was going to be in control of what the future would hold for him, he felt incredibly liberated. I can't worry anymore. It's not up to me. And it's not up to my wife. And it's not up to my parents. And it's not necessarily only up to my friends and my rabbeim who are going to be davening for me. It's ultimately going to be up to Hashem. And he said through the next six months of treatment, whether it was physical pain or there was something annoying going on in his house, nothing bothered him. Nothing ruffled his feathers. He literally had a different outlook, a different perspective of how this world works. Realizing that the Rebona Shalom controls everything and that we are part of a world that he controls. And so therefore we can't get in the way of it. We have to put our efforts in. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a bracha, he gives us a blessing, we have to ensure that we do our part to bring that to fruition. But at the end of the day, it's really ultimately going to be dependent on that which Hashem decides. And he says, even now, looking back 20 years later, he only wishes not to be ill, but he only wishes he could achieve and he aspires to the level of simchas achayim, of happiness that he experienced those days, realizing that Hashem is the one who is running the world. It's a wild thing to consider, but that's what simcha is all about. Simcha is bitachon. Simcha is feeling Hashem in your life, is having those epiphanies, is having those realizations, is understanding that Hashem controls the world, is understanding that if you put into Him and you put into that relationship, He is going to make sure to make Himself readily available. It's an understanding that if we are okay with, and as the Slanam Rebbe says so beautifully, Mokor HaSimchahu, Sheyehudi Samech Behanhagas Haboris Bach Shemoito. He's okay with. And he accepts and he is satisfied with how Hashem runs the world. He realized that whatever he has, he's meant to have. And whatever he doesn't have, he doesn't even want. Because that will remove him from this world, as Rav Dessler says. That will ruin his simcha sachayim. You want to know one of the severest consequences of lacking simcha? Read Parshas Kisavo. Read the Tolchacha. Realize that if you don't serve Hashem with a basic fundamental recognition that Hashem is running the world and you accept that reality, of course you are going to be on the receiving end of some terrible consequences, some terrible tragedies, God forbid. But if you realize and you embrace 
through the good times, and even like we said, through the times that we perceive not to be so good, that it's all in our best interests, that we will be able to have a more meaningful life. We will have a much happier life. We will have less anxiety in our life, and we will begin to deepen the connection that we discussed last week in order to ensure that we not only put in, but ultimately we can be on the receiving end of those brachos that Hashem, does, that Hashem so desperately wants to bestow upon us.